Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my, I don't know, what did we decide that you were? You're my so co-host. I, I was about to say, how many episodes have we now done? And I don't know, six? My my introduction is getting worse as, as we mean, go along. It gets familiarity. <laughs> what do you want, formality? I would like you to what know you how you What do you want from gonna... me, Ross Ferguson? <laughs> Advising something or other, advisor, online advice, whatever. Academic you, advisor. Academic advisor. I reckon our listeners probably know my title more than. No, more I don't think so. Because it's such a bland, boring title. Okay. Academic advisor. Who's going to remember that? I don't have the author in residence title. That's I right. Mean, now that, that is, is a, a four title. star title. There you go. Speaking of four stars, actually five stars. Uh, we've got a review, a new review. This is the every every episode. I plead for reviews. And every few months, one person goes, you know what? <laughs> I'll All do right. it. I got nothing going on. Uh, this comes from, who does it come from? Mark Calder. Hope you're okay, Mark. That's the name you left on the review with me uh, outlining your whole identity here. Uh, great exclamation point. Five stars. Mark says, really love the content, the faithfulness, the humor, and engaging style of this podcast. Love everyone I hear on it. Love the solo episodes, too. Look at that. So I might not even need you. I mean, you don't know what I do, so I might as well just go. <laughs> well, I don't know what you do out there. I know what you do in okay. here. But, but he didn't say which solo episodes in the future he would like to hear. I mean, so, he just says love the solo episodes, too. Pass. So who, who, whoever future, it was back in the day. I'm self-conscious because way back in the day, there were at least one or two people who uh, we were between co-hosts, or maybe it was just early, in the early days I didn't have a co-host. So I would do guest episodes, and then I'd alternate them with me doing solo stuff. And people would be like, you should not do a podcast by yourself. <laughs> you're not Al Mohler, <laughs> right? Um, you, you're not a talking head. And I know I'm not. Uh, and those were shorter episodes. I thought, you know what it is? I like, when I listened I, you know, to other podcasts, I like conversation I don't listen to Talking Head podcasts, so why do I think I can do a Talking Head podcast? I mean, what I hear from this is I bring the best out in you. That's what I'm hearing. From yeah, this. you you fill in the you fill in the gap. You're the wind beneath my wing. <laughs> it's getting weird. Again. I wouldn't walk 500 miles for you, but okay. uh, oh, here we go. Stereotypical <laughs> references. I would go to the movie theater. Okay. This is a question you asked me. I did recently. Yes, um, because we're planning. The, you and your family yes. and my wife and I to go see the Minions movie. The Minions. You don't even know the name I, of What it. is it called? The Rise of Gru. The Rise of Gru. you got to say in a Scottish accent oh, as well. The, the Rise, Rise of Gru. Of Gru. <laughs> <laughs> the Rise of Gru. Uh, yeah, it's the Minions It's movie. the new Minions movie. Yeah. yeah. And you asked me, um, well, first of all, you're like, would you guys go see that? Because what, we're in so our we, mid-40s? And- so we were talking in our car and, and the, the kids were like, <laughs> hey, Jared and Becky like to go to the, the movies. I wonder, and I said, I wonder if they would go to to see the rise of Gru, and the kids were like, "Yeah, yeah, of course they would. They go and see like loads of movies." And I was like, "No way will they go and see <laughs> yeah. a Minions movie." And I said to the kids, "Hey, maybe you should just ask Jared." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, they were like, "We can't ask Jared. <laughs> you, 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 you can't ask Jared. You can talk to Becky though." <laughs> so I said, yeah. in church, hey, w- would you guys go and see the rise of Gru?" Um, and that the answer was positive. You yeah. said we would, which surprised me. Because uh, you won't see Sonic. Yeah, uh, this this is what I want to bring up. So first of all, 
it's it's it was great timing because it was literally like two days before we saw a preview for the, that at another movie, and I said I would see that. I turned to Becky and I was like I would see that, and she was like Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, we do the the AMC A list thing, which you subscribe and you can see three movies a week. So we end up seeing movies that we would normally never be interested in just to get our money's worth, really. Um, but we saw the Gru movies. What a dis, uh, despicable me! <laughs> despicable we me. saw them when our when we had kids at home when they liked them, and so it's part of the series. There's a difference between that and Sonic, don't you think? No. How, what do you mean no? I think it's Son- based on a video game. Do you know what? I don't, and I don't care about. I don't Go care and about see video Sonic, games. and then on a future episode, tell tell me how you feel about it. But I don't. I, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> it. It looks corny. It's not. It doesn't look funny. It looks. Cheesy. It's funny. It's wait. You're actually promoting it. I, I, are we allowed to promote movies on this podcast? <laughs> you're endorsing it. I mean, Sonic. I feel like last podcast we did together. You so were you're like, saying these are good movies. Are any kids' movies good? Yeah. <sighs> the first Despicable Me was good. Okay. I'm. I'm. Mm, no. 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 Okay. But Sonic is. So now I have a. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Get, I, I don't get your reasoning. Yeah. I'll go and see this kid's movie because, hey, we, we can go and get this because we see three movies a week, so we might as well go and see it because we want to get our money's worth. But don't dare go to Sonic. No, it looks like, <laughs> because it looks funny, it's got a, a, a cleverness to it. I like the traditional animation. Um, the uh, And it looked, you know, Steve Carell is involved. The Sonic thing, it just looks like it's, I don't, I don't, it's based on a video game turned into a movie. With a wisecracking video game cartoon character, it just on every level it's, it it it's it smells like Mr. T cereal or <laughs> you know some kind of like cross. It, it doesn't look like an original, clever. Yeah. It just looks like a corny. So the end of this product so placement is thing. that now with this discussion, yeah, Becky's like, hey, we should all go and see the rise of Gru together. That's I'm right. Like, no, we should see Sonic together because no, I need to. Pre- <laughs> I need to prove <laughs> not this. seeing it. Oh, brother. Well, we'll go see uh, – well, maybe the next episode we'll do a, like a, a film review. What, what <laughs> for we the church. The Rise of Gru. Take your church to The Rise what of Gru. Experience. How can we attach that for the church? I don't know. <laughs> we can figure it out. We, we'll we we'll get it out. Uh, serious topic for today, mm-hmm. however, sexual purity in an impure age. We have both, um, I am sure, um, seen a number of friends blow their lives up. Mm-hmm. Um, due to moral failings of various kinds. And this doesn't just apply to pastors or those in some kind of vocational ministry or leadership position in the church, but just to Christians in general. So I thought it's worth you know dedicating an episode to um, speaking to men in particular, mm. as two men speaking to men, um, although I think there could be some good application to uh, some of the Christian women listening as well. Uh, you know, Paul tells us in First Timothy four, keep a close watch. He says to Timothy, keep a close watch on your life and on the teaching. And I, when I think about that, I think about probably the both of us know a lot of men who keep a pretty close watch on the teaching. Yes, um, they are they are doctrinaires. They read theology. They're they're you you don't almost don't even have to encourage them to keep a close watch on their mm. teaching. Um, because that's what they keep the closest watch on. And while they're doing that, it's almost as if, you know, the the devil's getting a full hold through the back door of their life. Yep. Their life is kind of on autopilot, 
or they just think, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I'm married to a Christian or whatever it is, that part kind of takes care of itself. And it doesn't, does it? I, I think there's an assumption, especially within ministry settings, where if you're keeping a watch on the teaching, there is an assumption that that automatically then applies to life. Yeah. Uh, because, hey, I'm doing all this good stuff as a pastor or in ministry. I'll never give in to temptation. I don't have any temptation because I'm preaching this on a daily basis. But I, I fully agree. It just opens a whole potential for the devil to to sneak in, really, I think, to arrogance yeah. of I've got this sorted for work. So I don't need to worry about my home life or my personal life because work clearly produces success for the ministry, for the yeah. kingdom. Um, but yeah, I, I 100% agree that it's a both and. You, you, you can't, you can't uh, pursue ministry and leave a back door open for the yeah. devil to get in because by the time he's in the back door, the front door might as well be open. Yeah. It, it's such a common um, issue. It's such a common sin. You would think we would be more, I don't know, circumspect or alert about it. Why aren't we sort of um, more on guard given how often <laughs> this takes place? Someone, you know, um, cheats on their wife or gets in, in engaged with, you know, rampant pornography or um, as common as this is, why hasn't that led to uh, more circumspect living, more alert living? I think it's that um, th- those kind of doubting questions turn almost into arrogant responses in the sense of, well, that was them. Yeah. That's not going to happen to me. Right. I, I'm untouchable for those issues. I've never had an issue before, so I'm not going to have an issue with it now. Yeah. Um, or even my issue is small fry in comparison. Do you know, I, I, I look at pornography every so often, but but I haven't cheated on my wife, so I, I'm good. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think it just turns into that kind of arrogant response, uh, one that we see in the Garden of Eden, which is that doubtfulness over what God's going to actually do if if we do sin. I think that kind of sneaks in a little bit along the lines of, well, actually God's not going to really have a big deal. He'll forgive me. This is a smaller element. Yeah. And even if I get to the bigger element, he'll still forgive me. So I'm okay. So I think it yeah. moves a little bit more to arrogance of you just don't believe it's going to happen to you. Yeah. I, I wonder if to, because it's, it's so attached to, to other areas of weakness or vulnerability or, you know, other areas in which we're not aware or, or alert, um, you know, it's it's not it's not common for a guy to get up in the morning and go, I'm gonna have an affair today, and you know, you know, blow up my ministry and my marriage and everything else. But it's these steps you take yep. in other areas that kind of lead towards a vulnerability in that area. So overworking, yep. for instance. So you're working too much because you find your validation in yep. work and 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 what have you. And that, ha- you know, creates all kinds of stress points mm-hmm. in, in your marriage because you're not home or you're not present when you are home. You know, you're not emotionally present or some, some such thing. Maybe you're beginning to form bonds with other people outside. And so you're creating new kind of intimacies that, that create temptations. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because of stress. You're exhausted. Most of the young guys I know who have, you know, um, uh, uh, trouble with pornography, the the first thing is keeping a, an eye on their stress level, their fatigue. And when you're stressed and you're tired, you're extremely vulnerable and you listen more passively to words like, wow, oh, it's just, you know, 
momentary yeah. or, you know, the Lord will forgive you or, or, or you deserve this, a sense yeah. of entitlement. And that comes from people who um, are not just workaholics, but people who just feel like I'm tired. I deserve a reward or a treat or something like that. Yeah. You know, I've seen the opposite as well over the years when guys are not working that much okay. and actually have so much free time. Yeah. They just don't have a clue what to do with it. And it's the idle hands thing of if you're not serving and you're not, can I say living, you know, you're not active. Yeah then there's moments where you're going to be alone and those thought moments as well just sneak in. So I think it's kind of the both and in the, again, in the sense of overworked and underworked, uh, overly stressed and totally chilled out with nothing going on. It's the two extremes seem to produce yeah. the same result, but for different reasons. Yeah. I've got that under, um, under the category of singleness, but I think it's true for married men as well. But um, uh, you know, for single men, I've got, I've got the uh, exhortation to stay busy, mm. stay diligent, right? Proverbs 10, 4, a slack hand causes poverty. And, you know, the direct uh, implication there is is poverty of riches, um, you know, hard work, you know, diligence produces wealth is kind of the, the corollary. But I think it's poverty of, of, of spirituality as mm. well, or poverty of, you know, holiness. It's um, when you're not intentionally and directly pursuing holiness, it's in those moments of just kind of laying around, yep. um, and and it's a kind of it's kind of connected, I think, to um, you know back when I was studying gluttony uh, a little bit because that's kind of my you know besetting sin today. I think um, gluttony is a kind of sadness. It's it's a failure to worship, but it comes from a sort of discontent with God, a boredom with the things of Christ. And in trying to fill oneself, mm. you know, I mean, excess in, in, in any way is like this, but you're trying to fill oneself with a kind of pleasure, you know, overload. Mm. And a lot of that for me came about just from kind of laying around and wanting some kind of, yeah, a little, you know, midland pleasure or treat of some yeah. kind. I think um, sexual impurity can work that way too when you're just sort of, you know, or John Piper talks about um, being alone in a darkened room in, indoors. He talks yeah. about how indoors can speak to this. Uh, we just end up kind of in your own imagination yeah. and in your own head. And the, the solitude and the sense of poor me and self-pity, all of that can kind of make us really weak in yeah. the areas that we need to be strong on guard against this stuff. And I think the the dark room thing and the, the being out is really important. Um, you know, scripture speaks about this, that, is that the sin creeps into the darkness. And where's the light? The light is not in your bedroom at midnight at night. That's not yeah. where the light is. And and so it's, it's, it's that activity, yeah. not just for activity's sake, but in pursuit of holiness of, I'm going to go to this prayer meeting tonight, or I'm going to go to this event because I know if I stay at home, I'm going to have an issue. Yeah, and and they're they're pursuing holiness, so bringing in activity in your life for the aim of holiness. Yeah, the other exhortation I've got for single people in particular is to be around people. Yeah, you know, there's certainly the accountability of you know having an accountability partner, someone who you know I don't know sees your you know in, you know internet history or you're you know surfing and those sorts of things, or someone that you can just confess to readily. But there's also just kind of the mm. informal accountability of being in community and yeah. staying busy and being around people. 
Yeah. Um, one, you know, one sort of, I think, un, unsung um, antidote, not just being around people, but if you're, you know, around the church, but you're around women and to see women as people. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if you have, you know, good Christian community and you, you're listening well to each other and you're helping each other and encouraging each other and reminding each other of the gospel, it works against the objectification of women that occurs if you're just sort of alone and and don't know any women and you're kind of, you know, the only women that you think of are the ones in your head and um, you, you, you know, see w- women as, as fellow image bearers and, um, you know, people who aren't to be used or exploited in your own imagination. Uh, there's something to that, but just being around people in general, I think. I know? think that's in a really incredible, incredibly important thing to think about. So, so this is a, a conversation my wife and I have quite a lot, you know, where, we're at a seminary that is mainly men here. Mm-hmm. Um, often that is the case. That of course there are women. Um, my, my wife will be studying. We, we know of several women that are studying here. But quite often, um, my my wife would say that that women are seen as potential sinful temptation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this comes from the kind of Billy Graham rule. I, I, I'm not quite sure where it comes from. It's almost a an over the cliff um, concern of. Yeah. I can't go into the cafe because there's a woman there. Oh, that's a temptation. I need to go and I need to go somewhere else. Yeah. And therefore actually women then feel alienated from their brothers in Christ. Yeah. So they feel um, almost separated from their family and actually viewing ourselves as brothers and sisters. So being around yeah. the opposite sex in appropriate areas and viewing them as sisters or brothers in Christ rather than, that's a potential temptation, so I need to be away from that. Yeah, I mean, there's an equal problem in there or, or similar problem in seeing all women as potential temptresses or seductresses yeah. as there is in seeing yourself as, gosh, I, I won't be able to control myself. Yes. Like, do you have the Holy Spirit or don't yeah. you? Are you working? I mean, if that's true of you, then you have deeper problems yeah. that probably need help, and maybe pursuit of ministry is not the route. But if you're pursuing, you know, uh, uh, fruit of the spirit, self-control is yeah. is there, and you can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If 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 you can't be alone with a woman, and you know, even by happenstance, um, or or you know, can't see women yeah. as as image bearers and sisters in in Christ, that's not their fault. Yep. <laughs> that's a fault of, of of you and your heart that yep. you need to get um, a better hold of. Mm. Um, I think, you know, just the alertness of this, I, you know, so much of the problem with sexual impurity comes from, I think, just this passivity and an autopilot. Like maybe we said that in, at the outset you were sharing, it's just sort of like, well, it wouldn't happen to me or, mm. you know, maybe I'm not actively pursuing that. So, you know, we forget that we need a kind of alertness. I remember once um, I was having breakfast with Ray Ortland and he said, um, he said, Jared, the devil has a file on you. And inside that file, he has exactly what it will take to get you to fall. He knows exactly what it will take that will make you fall. And every single day, he is working that angle. What, and, and it just made me stop and think, okay, I need to know what my if, – if, if the devil knows me that well, I need to know myself that well. What is it that would get me to fall? And I need to be aware that you know, every single day – the enemy is working that specific angle. And, and therefore there needs to be practical and spiritual um, response yeah. to that file um, 
just as an example, I, I'm on my phone quite a lot. I, I'm on computers quite a lot yeah. with work and with ministry. Certainly more in the ministry days, I was I was almost always on my phone for for various reasons. Um, because of that and, and the the knowledge of the temptations that can come from that, for me, I don't put verses on my screens because verses can easily be ignored. Okay. I put pictures of my family uh-huh. on, on the screen. So like on my lock screen now, I'll just look at my phone. Um, I change it every so often. I, I have a picture of one of my twins uh, on a sailing boat. Uh, okay. And again, it's that when I look at my phone, the first thing I'm seeing is I'm seeing what I'm blessed with yeah. and I'm seeing what I could potentially lose. Uh, and and that really helps me as an individual. And, and I would advise that, I have advised that for others you know, put your loved ones as your your screensaver as your background. Mm. If you're if you're single, put your parents, put your siblings, put the people that you love, yeah. so that you actually have to actively almost bypass that. Yeah. And and it's, I'm not saying it's a guilt trip because this is not a this is what you could lose. It's, right. This is what you're blessed with. Yeah, that's right. Give this person a call rather than going to temptation. Yeah, you and know? you you have to like step over them in a sense. Exactly. Like you have to spite them in a sense. Exactly. And I think that's yeah. harder to do yeah. with someone you dearly love than a verse that you kind of already know about. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that your family trumps scripture. I'm saying, let's be real. We can get over a few words. It's much harder to get over seeing your family's faces and knowing you're risking losing them. Yeah. So this is more a kind of pragmatic approach to, yeah. to screen time. Yeah, I think also ironically, um, you know, we talked about single men. Um, let's talk about married men mm-hmm. for a moment here. Um, there's an irony in that some of the most common advice, and and there's proverbs that speak to this, of course. Rejoice always in the wife of your youth. You know, that, you know, you know that sort of thing. The idea is, if you're sexually fulfilled at home, you won't be strained outside. I think ironically, and there's truth to that. But ironically, I think an overly an over fixation on sexuality at home creates a fixation on sexuality, period, yeah. <laughs> in which you may become dissatisfied yes. with the sexuality at home or sexual intimacy at home um, and begin to desire more, or crave more from the outside, that sort of thing, because you're, you're fixated on that. Yeah. And so my, my broader counsel is, yes, pursue sexual intimacy with your wife. Um, that's a great blessing of marriage, but pursue intimacy outside of that with your wife. Mm. Pursue emotional intimacy. Be friend. I mean, my major exhortation is pursue friendship with your wife. I li- I, I, you said pursue. <laughs> I said cultivate That's friendship right. yeah, with yeah. your wife. That Why, when you become one flesh, you are one together in friendship, in sexuality, yeah. in terms of enjoying that time together, in, in faith, you're coming together. So why would you then seek an independent life and more of your friends than of your wife. Well, you only do that if you're not actually pursuing your wife in friendship. Yeah. So some of, um, I, I said this last night to my wife, the best times with my wife is when we've stayed up till two, three, four in the morning. I just talked about everything mm. because we're cultivating our friendship. And actually I want more than just physical intimacy. I want that mental, emotional, spiritual, um, because we're yeah. one flesh. Yeah. So it's, it's everything. And over the years, the guys, specifically guys, there has been some women, but, but um, the guys that I've been dealing with that kind of blow up their marriages and lives, it's because they're no longer friends with their wife. Um, yeah. they, they view it as, I get this from home, but I don't get these things, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so it, the, the response to lusting after other things 
is not to lust after your wife. It's actually to get rid of the lust altogether yeah. and pursue the, the the widespread purity within friendship, within a spiritual lead of your household, within um, genuinely just loving and, and pursuing your wife. Um, I've heard this before. When you're pursuing your future wife, um, dating, engagement, you know what they love. You know, you'll take them to their favorite restaurant. You'll go to the favorite movie. You know, you will do things to essentially pursue a potential relationship. That should not stop upon marriage. You you want to be consistently doing right. that. Um, and, and and wife to the husband as well. Um, I, I love nothing more than after a long day coming home and there's a surprise and maybe, you know, the kids and, and, and Miriam have popped out. Like I've, I've got a can of Iron Brew, good Scottish drink uh, next to me here in the podcast. <laughs> And that was a Father's Day Non-alcoholic. Non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic, not not whiskey. For those listening. Uh, (laughs) Scottish brew. Scottish brew. (laughs) Uh, But on Father's Day, as a complete unknown to me, they they went and made sure that I had some. And it's Mm. one of those, that was a surprise. They knew I loved drinking it. You know, it's, I feel like that should be in a in, in a marriage. Don't pursue things outside of your home if you're not pursuing them in the home first. Do you yeah, know? right. The the priority. I just love being around mm-hmm. my wife and, yeah. and and certainly, you know, the good deep conversations, but I just like being around her, like doing things with her, I, you know. So here's the question though. What do you do if you don't like being around your wife or you yeah. don't like being around your husband? What, what do you do then? Well, you've made a commitment. You've made a commitment in the covenant of marriage to say – you know, better or worse, sickness and health, good times, bad times. The impetus, the the um, you know priority is is still on you because you've made a commitment to pursue intimacy with with your spouse, and, and maybe you're not close, maybe you don't like them in this particular season. Um, you know, just think about how unlikable spiritually we are to the Lord, and how how gracious He is to come near to us and give us affection and lavish his riches of grace on us. It's a picture of the gospel, you know, to pursue those who we may not want to or pursue those that we don't feel particularly close to or to pursue those who uh, we have an aversion to even in some way. And what we find is, you know, the Lord's grace over time conforms us to his image. Um, I I think, you know, um, normatively over time, the Holy Spirit uses the love of one spouse for another to begin to uh, sometimes um, melt ice and yeah. and soften clay. Doesn't you know? It's not. Um, we don't need to be pragmatic about it. It's not a formula. It doesn't mean that you know people who love always get love in return. That's just the reality of living in a fallen world. Um, but love is never a waste. And you know, my wife and I both know from experience what it's like to love when the other one's not loving for various reasons. And we would say, I think today, having been through all kinds of difficulties and trials, that our love today is sweeter because of those moments. And that's an interesting point, actually. Um, I've seen several marriages struggle because they've not actually gone through trial together. Mm. So everything's kind of been sweet. Everything's been lovely. They haven't moved too many houses. They haven't moved too many jobs. (laughs) Everything's going well. I mean, my wife and I moved 10 houses in like the first five years, you know, Um, and and everything's been good. And then the trial hits and bang, all the problems come out. Personally, over the few years um, that you and Becky have been married longer than than Miriam and I, but I would say the trials have have brought us together. And, And my wife would say that in the trials, she had to daily pray to choose me and the family every day. I want to choose them each day 
and not choose something else. Yeah. And and she would see that as a, a daily prayer. So in the hard times, it's, Lord, help me choose my husband. Help me choose my wife today. And when you pray that through the trials, when you're then in the sweet times, you're still praying that, but it's changing to not help me choose. It's thank you that I get to choose them today. Um, so yeah. uh, we, we've seen that in our lives, that trials actually don't fear the trials. They're coming. They're yeah. going to come to your marriage. And it might not be sexual immorality, but they're coming in some form of way. Don't fear them. Rather pray through them. God, help me continue to choose my covenant relationship with you and with my spouse. Yeah, um, that's good. She finds that really helpful. Um, uh, where I, I need that kind of uh, visual of pictures. Like mm. I, I, almost every day I need to see them. I don't, you, you travel quite a lot with, with ministry. I struggle to travel away from my family. Yeah. Not necessarily because of the temptation, but just because I, I find it hard to be, be away from them. Um, yeah. And I think that's when I know the devil's going to try his, um, his records on me and see what, what he can do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I experienced that as well. Not, so not sexual. Like I said, my sin these days is more gluttony. I eat worse when I'm traveling, especially when I'm by myself. Cause I just, I feel, especially like if the, if my work is done, so I've already preached the conference or whatever it was and I'm in the hotel and I'm not tempted to turn on my TV and watch things or open my computer and see things that I, I shouldn't. Now, 20 years ago, that would have been a temptation for me. That's less so today. For me, it's like, Gosh, I could order from Uber Eats food, <laughs> more calories than I would need in three days. And gosh, you know, I deserve it. Yeah. You know, You've done your job. I've and, done my yeah. job. Yeah. So there is something to that loneliness and distance. And I think that's true even if um, if you're not pursuing intimacy, friendship, mm. cult- cultivating uh, that that union with your spouse, even if you're living you know, in the same house, you don't have to be traveling away. Um, you may feel distant and feel lonely yeah. and it makes you vulnerable and, and susceptible. Uh, the, the other thing that I think for married individuals uh, in terms of a, a potential point of failure, potential temptation giving into is when you have children, when they first first arrive, mm. everything changes. Um, you, your spouse is going to change in terms of how much you can spend time with them because you're, you know, you're trying to keep this little human being alive. Right. Uh, we had twins. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, you can just forget about us actually communicating together. But I, I think in those early phases of having children, uh, where attractiveness towards one another is strained, mm. I think, um, be warned that that is when the devil's going to come in. You know, I deserve a night off. I deserve a, a time out in the town. This person at work is giving me more attention than my wife or my husband is. He doesn't understand me. All these emotions are going to come in at that point. That is the time to pray, help me choose my spouse. Help me choose mm. my family each day. Um, certainly for me, that was one of my hardest points. When our first child came along, I was working nonstop. My wife was home, wasn't particularly well at the time. And, and we had a newborn. And I just remember thinking, home is harder than work. Um, mm. Work is easier. Um, and, and that's something I had to repent from. And that's something we had to work through as a couple. Uh, where now, uh, by God's grace, he has blessed me where I enjoy home as mm. much as I enjoy work. Um, so, yeah, it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. On the last uh, or one of the most recent episodes, I talked with uh, Dean and Sarah, who's a pastor around Florida, and has written a, a new book on sexual purity, um, really trying to counter kind of the culture's messages today of 
um, expressive individualism as applied to sexuality, transgenderism and sexual identity and, and then just expressive sexuality or individualized uh, unholy sexuality. And we talked a little bit about kind of the um, purity culture and kind of the you know purity backgrounds. Um, and one of the things I, uh, that I brought up with him is reading a few years ago the study for True Love Weights, which I don't know if you had that over where you're at, but here in the States, uh, we had, you know, had this campaign called True Love Weights, which was a, a celibacy movement, or organization developed for teenage celibacy, basically. And you make a commitment, you get a, you get a, a ring, a purity ring that's your commitment to the Lord that you will not have sex before marriage, that sort of thing. True Love Weights for marriage. And what they discovered as after as this you know campaign went on, and it was very um, popular. A lot of um, kids, youth groups, um, churches uh, participated. They began to do some of the you know look at some of the data, um, the the track record, and it was abysmal. Yeah. Like the number of kids who who pledged abstinence, put the ring on, everything else, who signed the True Love Waits commitment card, um, still engaged in premarital sex, and so they began asking themselves. Okay, first of all, why is that the case? Why is what we're doing not working? And then they begin to look at the kids who did keep the commitment. So, and, and they asked, um, what made the difference? Was it they you know, believed it harder or whatever it was? And what they discovered was the kids who maintained a commitment to sexual purity before marriage, uh, well, sexual purity in marriage, I guess, uh, abstinence before marriage, um, had vital relationships with Jesus. Yeah. They pursued a spiritual life. They were not uh, simply caught up in the religious commitment of, of abstinence, but had vital growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The same is true in, for sexual purity today. For grown adults, men and women, married or single, you, you, the closer you get, and this is kind of, I think, connected to um, what you're sharing about you know, Miriam's you know, daily prayer. Mm. She was pursuing commitment to Christ, and the satisfaction of being close to Jesus began to dull the taste or the temptation, you know, the lures of the things around us. There is no substitute. You can put stuff on your phone. You can be around people. You can follow all the exhortations that, that Ross and I just gave. But the, if you are distant from Christ, if your passions for Christ are cooling, then you're very vulnerable. You're more vulnerable than you realize. I think you've said this uh, once or twice in class. Um, the question, is Jesus enough? Yeah. If you're single, is Jesus enough? If you're married, is Jesus enough? Yeah. And if the answer to that is no, that's the issue that needs to be dealt with first. Um, and I think in moments of giving into temptations, we're basically saying Jesus isn't enough in right. those moments. That's right. Very quick question. Yeah. Dating apps. Uh, so let's go Christian dating apps <laughs> and let's go uh, non-Christian hookup apps. Okay. Um, I don't know anything about either one. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're both married. I've been married I was married a long time before even the app showed up, so I have no idea. I have no experience with them. Sadly, I, I, I'm old enough as a okay. student here. The, yeah. Yeah, the my, kids here are using them. My huh? first phones were in my teenage years. Okay, okay. Yeah, so Christian dating apps, um, they sell the, you know, meet your future wife yeah, yeah. on a Christian dating app. Um, the idea is that it's still meant to bring purity because, quote, it's Christian. Oh, um, I see. And then hookup apps, I think the most famous one, and there's multiple talks in the world about this, is Tinder okay. in terms of essentially hooking up with somebody. So 
clearly hooking up as in like one night stand. Yeah, type. exactly. Because okay, okay. um, what we might say, hey, I, hey, let's hook up later. I don't really know we the just language. Mean, we're gonna get together. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> they like mean a, it's something differently. I'm in water unknown right okay, now, right, so I'm right, just right. kind of going like, is this the language they use? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but clearly, Tinder wise, I think is it's a real damaging thing in our yeah. society that. You can meet somebody, you can... And this um, is the swipe left, swipe right thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I be- yeah. So it's very uh, objectified. Very objectified. Yeah. But then surely Christian dating apps are the same. You know, you see mm-hmm. a picture, mm, not sure, you know. Yeah. So There's um, one couple that I officiated their wedding who met on a Christian website. Okay. I forgot what it was called. It wasn't one of the more popular ones. They were able to, and I'm kind of neutral about the thing. I think they could, depending on what you're looking for yeah. and how you use it, that probably makes a huge difference. And these two, you know, folks, they're very discriminating. They're very serious right off the bat. In fact, neither one of them was really interested in recreational dating. They were like, I'm looking for a spouse, and this is X, Y, and Z, what I'm looking for. And they found each other in this sea of, you know, the, the Northeast U.S. where there aren't a whole lot of Christians, but people would be using the site. Um, to expand their net, mm. so to speak. So they're able to weed out. They're doing great. And they've been married for a while now, have um, um, kids, but they're very serious about their faith. And I, I would even say they're pretty abnormal. <laughs> in I, was terms of, I remember like in their first counseling, you know, premarital counseling. And I was, I asked, I always ask, why do you want to be married? And uh, her response, um, Rachel, if you're listening, uh, I, I wonder if you remember this. Um, she said, because I think it would be more sanctifying than being, than being single. <laughs> I said, I've never heard that response ever in my life. So they are you know, abnormal people, and they made it work. Yeah. Um, so it probably just depends yeah. on— I've seen both. I've seen—I yeah. I know of someone just recently um, got married uh, later on in life, um, dating app, uh, Christian kind of dating site, yeah. uh, exactly the same want to be married. This is not about dating for me. This is about marriage for me. Equally, I know a young couple that met across the dating app, married within a couple of months, they were divorced. Uh, And again, it's that, I don't, certainly the worldly ones, Tinder and whatever options you are, just avoid them. Like that's not going to do you any good. Um, And I'm speaking to Christians and non-Christians. I I think it does you no good. Yeah, it's garbage. But in terms of Christian dating sites, I, I agree. It comes back to, is Jesus enough for you? Because if he mm. is, it's going to come out in yeah. your dating profile. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. This is so unknown to me. Um, but if you don't, then that's going to be obvious too in, in your relationship. So yeah. um, go figure. Our whole podcast on yeah. sexual purity and, and impurity I mean, is you know, Jesus. We're for the church. Yeah. Uh, the community of the church is the best context for these kind of relationships to, to develop. Yeah. I would say, so this couple that I'm you know, speaking of, um, this is in the Northeast. He was in upstate New York. She was in our community in Vermont. She was a member of my church in Vermont. Not a whole lot of single Christians around. Yeah. So the pool is very small. And, and so to use one of these websites is sort of to say, like, I mean, I'm interested in finding a spouse. But the, the, even the, just the dating pool, especially for serious Christians, mm-hmm. is not large here yeah. at all. And so this is a way to connect. To his credit, their relationship was not entirely conducted over messages. He moved when they realized, okay, we may be pretty serious about this. He moved to Vermont, joined our church, submitted to the accountability of, of our church and leadership of our church. So we could know him and their relationship developed in the context of our church. Mm. So it wasn't that he was content to go, I'll just keep this all online and then we can connect. The next stage was, yeah. do I have the, uh, um, the blessing, so to yeah. speak, the approval 
And because she was a single gal in our church, there were several of us, myself included, who took really responsible yeah. to look out for her. Yeah. And her father had passed away previously. Detectiveness. So she didn't have a dad. And there were several of us that were kind of like, you know, we had our— Who are you? We were squinty <laughs> yes. when this guy showed up <laughs> and kept our eyes on him. And he eventually became an elder in our yeah. church. He was a very godly man. Uh, but, yeah, they submitted to, we want, you know, the church to yeah. bless us as well. You I know? think the communication thing is really important. Whether you're single, you're married, you're dating, you're engaged, you're pursuing a relationship, stop communicating so much via text and emails and messaging. Talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, because, one, that will keep you from temptation because it's so much easier to type something you yeah. probably wouldn't say That's out loud. Right. Um, but also communication then breeds friendship. Um, and... I talked with my wife the other night and we were saying, man, when we were dating, you were just always talking to me. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I still do. Um, but that's what breeds friendships. And, yeah. and in this case, what you're saying is, yes, they had an online communication, but that developed quickly into verbal and actually being with each other and talking. So yeah. if if you want to combat lust, I think it's actually talk to people. Mm. And I don't know if I would go as far as to say, um, you know, talk to people that you're, yeah. actually lusting over, but specifically within Christian settings like churches and, and seminaries, don't view women as the object of temptation, as we've said. Instead, actually get to know them as your sister in Christ. Yeah. Um, talk to them, pray for them, pray with them. Um, I, I'm, I'm treading lightly there because I also don't want to be in a, the dangerous position of advising people um, to get close with people sure, that sure. they're lusting after, but more just trying to elevate away from the sinful temptation towards the communication with one another. The community is is so normalizing. It's one of the byproducts of real Christian community is that it can normalize you mm-hmm. in ways that the, the guy, and this is especially a, a deal today, the young man alone, all his time on the computer, in chat rooms, on, you know, uh, message boards, on social media, whatever <laughs> those things are. chat rooms and message boards still around? It's still a thing. Okay. Um, and in particular, some of the communities that, that, that radicalize young mm-hmm. men, the 4chans and the reddits and those things, those yeah. are like the, you know, message boards, bulletin board type thing. Maybe it's not the same, but it's in that category. Mm-hmm. And, and specialized communities and you're being catechized by this online experience and you're, you're isolated, and it just messes with people's wiring and their way they see the world and the way they see others and the way that they see themselves is now kind of the center of this aggrieved universe. That can happen to even Christian young men. You don't have to be on the kind of the weird, radical, yeah. dark web. You, you can just be isolated, wrapped up in your own thoughts and feelings, and, and, and becoming abnormal without knowing it. And the, being a part of the Christian community— has a has a normalizing yeah. effect, right? Yeah. Um, so don't withdraw, mm. um, engage. All right, we've gone quite a bit. We could say probably a whole lot more, but we'll stop right there. Sexual purity in an impure age. I hope you found this helpful. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.